Let's go. Coming to you from the basement of the basement of WCPT 820 in Chicago, it's the Sports Cubicle. Uh, Devin always says something about the boss is going to be angry because we're all working overtime, but not all of us are working overtime. Some of us are under the weather right now. Uh, everyone stay safe out there. It's the uh, cold and flu and COVID season. Uh, but yeah, we're a little under the weather, but we're going to get this episode out. We still got a lot of things on tap for the day. George Othman joins us. He'll be talking to the boys about his new book and some of his experiences covering sports in the city of Chicago. Mercado and Marver break down the Bears by week. They give grades where the Bears are at right now. And then I will break things down with the college football playoff and its controversy. All that on the Sports Cubicle for this week. But first, Mercado, take it away. We keep the good times rolling here on the Sports Cubicle. I'm Mike Mercado. It's Paul Shabari and Devin Tingle. We appreciate you making us a part of your day. In case you've missed any one of the great interviews we've been doing recently, thanks to Paul Shabari, if you missed the real-life inspiration to Jerry Maguire, that's right, Lee Steinberg joined the show. If you've missed former Raider Steve Wright, a dream come true for Paul Shabari, make sure you're checking us out on YouTube at the Sports Cubicle or wherever you get your favorite podcast at Sports from the Couch. And of course, we are on WCPT 820 AM and now simulcasting Sunday nights on WSBC 1240 AM. And Paul, the holiday season has come early because you delivered a treat for us radio nerds, for us Chicago nerds, for anybody who has a pair of ears. Paul, what do you have for us today on the Sports Cubicle? Today, our guest is George Offman, a Chicago sportscaster. He's worked for WBBM News Radio. He's worked for 670 to score. He's been with NPR and he wrote a book called Tell Me a Story I Don't Know Conversations with Chicago Sports Legends. George, thanks for joining the show today. Appreciate it. And I do remember 820 because that's where the score began almost 32 years ago. Yep. Yep. We are now on the airwaves that you were one of the pioneers with, uh, you were there from the beginning, if, if I'm correct, right? Right. I, I mean, the pioneer really was Mike North. He's he's the guy who actually uh, twisted Dan Lee's, late Dan Lee's arm, who owned WXRT, to actually not turn it into a jazz station, but turn it into an all-sports station, which really pissed off the people at XRT until they met Mike and they fell in love with him. And 32 years later, here we are. When you say that uh, pissed off WXRT, that's because you guys shared a building together, right? Well, no, no. I think they were pissed off because they wanted the jazz station. They 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 didn't like the idea of having an all sports station. You know, it's just, these are music people, but it was a tiny building, and suddenly here are all these wonderful disc jockeys, and here marches in a massive amount of testosterone, and I do mean a massive amount of it, and egos and what have you. But it worked. And we, you know, I love those people there. You know, Terry Heverett and Frankie Lee and the entire Johnny Mars. It was wonderful to, to be there, All, as cramped as it was. And let me tell you something. It's amazing that two radio stations actually fit into the building. Uh, but no, that was a, it was a wonderful experience. You know, I wonder, as you see so many companies nowadays right like all multimedia trying to find for all these different avenues of fans and everybody's saying well radio's dying or music is dying and it just seems like it's just fans are finding what they like and finding the outlets to it were you surprised 
from where we were 30 years ago to now that there was enough room for a top tier jazz station and rock station and Spanish music station and then all night sports? Was it is it crazy all these years later that the formula worked just fine? Well, it did. But now what you're seeing is, you know, Internet uh, podcasts, YouTube technology has taken us into a different direction. It's listen, I, I did radio for over 46 years. Did I ever think I was going to do a podcast? I never listened to podcasts. And suddenly I'm having to learn to, to decide after WBBM let me go in July of 2020, what is a podcast? And gosh almighty, all the people that I talked to to try to formulate the whole thing using my radio background as a um, as a building block. Did I ever think I was going to be an author? Maybe an Arthur, but not an author. And here I am. So you don't know where things are going to take you. But radio, radio is having its own issues. I think you're going to see the elimination of AM radio eventually. Um, but it's still- Wait, don't tell us that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's- it's. You're, you're right, though. That is that is a frequent talk, uh, how AM radio it's, is it's going to be by the wayside. Gonna, it's going to be eliminated from cars. Thank goodness I just bought a new car and it's still there. And yes, it's important, but that's just the nature of that business. It's the nature of the newspaper business. It's, you know, it's, that's the progression of life. What can I tell you? Do you get nervous? I mean, were you ever one of these, one of these people who got nervous with change or were you always somebody who was able to go head first into the deep end of what the next technology was going from vinyl to cassette to tape to CD to MP3 to you? Like, are you willing to kind of go with that evolution? I think you have to, if you want to survive. And I still do. I mean, I'm not, obviously you're considerably younger than I am as opposed to me being considerably older than you are because I look at it the opposite way <laughs> but if you don't conform see you later so you have to conform as best you can if there's something I don't understand and believe me there were elements I couldn't I've got people tech technical technical people who help me out with it and teach me and you know let me understand oh okay I got to do this I got to do this I got to do this and you learn and you've got to learn where you guys, it's automatic. It's there. That's that's what you have now. You don't have to deal with cassettes. I still have a a horde of cassettes, okay, that I want to you know digitize, but I don't have the time. And it's all my history. It's radio stuff that goes back well over fifty years. So yes, I mean it's like if you don't want to conform, then you're stuck in the mud. I, I want to bring this up to George because you brought up the cassette. Right now I have in my control room a mini disc player, a tape player, and we used to have the reel to reel. So I'm, I have to learn the reel old. to reel. What the hell are you doing with a reel to reel? We used to have a big old one that now I can see the opening for right here on our little uh, uh, oh, station gosh. right here. But Polly, now that I've shown what A20 still has around these buildings, what do you got? Well, while we're on the, the subject of adapting with the times, uh, George, you were also with sports phone, right? The back when people, they couldn't look up sports scores on their phone, but they had to call you guys. Yeah. Look, at, look at this, boys. What, what was it that? like working there? How did you get your information while you worked there? Well, first of all, I, that was my first professional job in Chicago. When I left school in the May of 1977, you know, I dicked around with a few things and then suddenly... Here's sports phone, which began in New York the year before. And um, so I started my first day was, believe it or not, Christmas Eve during the day. And I was taken through the ropes by Fred Hubner. That office included Fred Hubner, Ron Gleason, 
the late Les Grobstein, uh, Pat Benkowski, but think of all the people that progressed from there. In New York, I was dealing with Gary Cohen, whom I became friends with. And Gary's, you know, I used to visit Gary in New York and in his first job in Hanover, New Hampshire. And his goal in life was to be the voice of the New York Mets. How did that work out? <laughs> there you go. And then John Martin, who was for many years the executive producer of ESPN Radio. Here, it's going to take me a while to figure out the list. David Schuster, Jeff Joniak, Luke Canellis, the late Dave Wills. Oh, I'm missing a whole bunch of people that started at Sports Phone and their careers jumped from there. I don't know where I would have been without it. So what were we doing? It was all for gamblers. You had a telephone. Do you guys know what a telephone is? Yeah. <laughs> no, you have to ask, you have to yeah, ask the no. question. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yep. No. No. Show me that, would you please? No, it's a little uh, wired cord or cord phone here. You know? That's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> so they had these. We were in the studio every ten minutes, giving scores. We had exactly sixty seconds. You punched it in, there it was. Um, and so mostly that was for gamblers, but we also uh, covered games. We had uh, contests. The same people winning the contest all the time. And those people are still on Facebook and Twitter. And I still hear from them. And this is how many years later now? <laughs> so um, it was a stepping stone for me. And then one day, uh, somebody there, Tom Green is his name, said, you know, you can sell your stuff, your tape on radio and your voice. I said, I know that's just freelancing. So off I went. I started doing it. And I made it my profession. It was my business for 13 years. I was an independent freelancer working for all of those places like National Public Radio, the BBC in Canada, excuse me, the BBC in London, the CBC in Canada. And back then there were a whole bunch of radio networks from ABC, NBC, CBS. And this is where I gained all these relationships with Sam Rosen, the longtime voice of the Rangers was the sports director at UPI. Uh, at RKO Radio Network, Charlie Steiner, the voice of the Dodgers, and at UPI, and then at RKO, a young fellow named Keith Olbermann. All of these people were part of how I got these relationships, which wound up in the podcast, which some of them wound up in the book. But that again, that's part of uh, being independent, being on your own, thinking in a different way. And for 13 years, I did it for 20, but for 13 years, that was my sole income, such that I was making double what the radio guys were making. It's like, hey, fellas, guess what I'm doing? I'm independent in my 20s and early 30s. And as Harry Carey said, I'm out chasing pretty girls until I met a pretty girl and married her. But that's what I was doing and loved every minute of it. So, And then the score came. Uh, but right before that, I turned down a job in Canada, in Toronto, to be a talk show host of all places. Um, and it was a tough turndown because they offered me a, a nice package and it's a beautiful city. But I was gambling that the score would hire me and did on my birthday, which was December 28th, five days before we started. And I was uh, hired along with some guy named Mike Greenberg. Uh, who, by the way, wrote the foreword to the book. So it's very interesting. All of the, all, everything that you go through, through life, there's a lot of connections. Uh, another person in the book, by the way, Bob Costas, I first met him. I actually first met him in school in 1975. It was a, there was a double header. I forget where it's in St. Louis. 
and SIU was playing whatever. And so the late coach Paul Lambert was with me and we were introduced to Jack Buck and his then protege, Bob Costas. Five years later, Bob is working for, by the way, Bob did 19 Bulls road games for people who don't know that. He was working for Channel 9. Um, then Bob was with the Sporting News Radio Network, used me as a freelance. And from there, we struck up a relationship because Bob came here quite a bit. So, you know, all of that got me to do the podcast. I'm I'm going from 46 years ago to, you know, to when I started the podcast and kind of putting the connections together. That's rather long-winded, wasn't it? Uh, well, <laughs> that was a great George, answer. George, you, for everybody listening to us here on the Sports Cubicle, it's Paul Shabari, Devin Tingo, I'm Mike Mercado, and the legend himself, George Hoffman, join us. This is like the equivalent of like, I don't know, Gandalf, uh, Dumbledore, Yoda, joining us and just giving, us, <laughs> just giving us all the goods that we've ever wanted. I, we are learning from the master Jedi himself. <laughs> and it, this is an amazing experience that we were having here. And everybody listening to the Sports Cubicle is enjoying these stories. Devin, what do you got for the legend himself? I gave us a lot to digest there, George. Gives a lot to digest. Give us a lot there, George. I'm getting a little starstruck. Bear with me here. But oh, digest is not that easy to say. <laughs> <laughs> but as someone who has, you know, gone from radio, TV, and now doing podcasts, basically my question is, is it worth it for anyone who wants to be a sports guy or sports commentator to even try doing TV or radio? Or are they better off going to Best Buy, buying that microphone and camera and just doing it from their basement? It, honestly, it's a different world today. I mean, people are still getting hired to do television. Radio sports, for what I did in particular, is pretty much almost gone. I am one of the dinosaurs in the business. Matter of fact, I likely am the dinosaur in the business, the oldest guy that was there. And, and WBBM has basically eliminated positions. When I was let go, they didn't replace me. And when uh, they lost the Bears and Jeff Joniak, who was doing afternoon drive they didn't replace him either and then when dave kerner retired they didn't replace him either so now they're down to two people um the score was eliminating that idea back in 2009 when i joined mike north in the ill-fated webio uh, which lasted the grand total of nine weeks so you're talking about that's 2009 in march or april it's almost 15 years ago so already networks and local stations were considering why do we want to do sportscasts when we have this? Okay, that that's that's hurt our industry. But I would never say to somebody, don't try. But again, the idea of podcasting is a very, very tough because to make it, you want to monetize it. And that's also difficult to do. But you'll find a path. If you if you really want to do it. In this day and age, you'll find a path if you really want it. George, you wrote the book. And I'm wondering, because Paul and I have this conversation all the time. Paul and I went to media school together. We uh, were GAs together. We got in jobs together. And we talk about it all the time of the longevity, what the destination, the journey, the story that's being told within our career as storytellers, as people who bring other people into our world and expose them to these things. When you wrote the book, when you were writing it, as you were getting everything together, did you feel it was completed 
as somebody who's constantly trying to do new things? Or was it kind of scary for you to kind of put that last period on the last paragraph in that last chapter? Because there is still much more story you want to be told. How was that emotionally for you? Well, it's emotional now in the standpoint that the podcast is ending. Um, the book was just an extension. That was an idea that came up almost two years ago. I was probably halfway through where I'm at now. And my nephew, Sam, was working at Triumph. And I said, what do you think? He said, bounce the idea off the guys. And so I did. And they bought it. I think part of which was that some of them knew who I was from radio. That helped a great deal. Plus, the idea of doing a book about your podcast, I don't think you see many of those. But the idea was, here are here's a compilation of 50 interviews with well-known people nationally and locally, all of whom have ties to the city of Chicago. Was I nervous? No, no. Matter of fact, I, I, I'm hoping that we sell enough books so that I can do part two. There's still another 45 plus interviews that I haven't done. I'm sad now, melancholy, knowing that I've got just a little few more edits to go and the podcast ends. It's an opus for me. You know, it's it's one of the great highlights of my career. You know, you think here's a highlight that happened 40 years ago and 30 years ago. Actually, 1977, when I left school and Mike Reese, whom I hired for my staff at the I was the sports director of the television and radio station there. Um, he not only succeeded, he stayed there for 45 years. He just retired. He was the voice of SIU sports. Well, he calls me up in late, well, it was, might have been early June. SIU's baseball team made the College World Series. You know, I was the voice of the Saluki baseball team. And he was then the primary guy, invited me to join him in the booth. And so for eight days, I was in Omaha, Nebraska. That is a highlight that happened way back. Here we are, <clears throat> what is this now? 47 years later, here's another highlight, my podcast. And I loved it. And another highlight my book. I loved it. I love it. It's just, um, it's, it's, it's been a honor, a pleasure and a highlight to do all of it. You know, what happens next? I know I'll come over to your house and have dinner. I have no idea. You're Open always welcome. Oh, by Polly, go ahead. <laughs> what you got for us, Polly? So George, with all of these people that you've talked to, all of the, the local personalities, the athletes, was there somebody over the years that you finally got to talk to that was maybe like um, someone early in your career you never thought you'd get the chance or maybe someone from your childhood that you looked up to? Yep. The answer to that is Brent Musburger, who is the last basically live guest that we have. And his part two is running now. Uh, yeah, I wanted to have him a long time ago, three years ago, but I did interview him in college. In 1975, I did turn paper and he gave me 30 minutes. And I remember talking to other people. He did the same thing for other people. He's very generous with his time as he is now. So we finally got together to do this. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe at the 20 minute mark, I'll ask him, you know, how are we doing? Well, it was at the 50 minute mark that he said, all right, it's going to be time to wrap this up, lad. It's very nice to have Brent Musburger call you a lad. He's 84 now. The stories he told are in minute description. He's incredible. 
So I'm 14 years old and WBBM News Radio begins. And that's where Brett Musburger began his uh, broadcast career, which is something he never considered in college. He was a writer for the <clears throat> long defunct Chicago American. Okay, I'm listening to him on radio, but when he went to WBBM TV and I saw him on TV, I was mesmerized. He was, his, the pace, his voice, everything. I said, I want to be you. I want to be you. Okay. I wasn't him because as most people know, I have a great face for radio. But in the end, uh, he was one of the inspirations for my career, along with Jack Brickhouse, who was the longtime voice of the Cubs. And people don't realize the White Sox and the Bears and the Sting, the, you know, the, the then uh, uh, soccer team. But Musburger was like the piece de resistance. He was the guy that I really wanted. And he gave me a fabulous 57-minute interview in which we cut up to two parts. But what's most amazing is there is a guy whose career continues, and he's 84. And I think of people like Hubie Brown, who is an analyst for ESPN's NBA. He's 90. 90. And he's great. That doesn't mean... I will be working until 90. I'm hoping to get up tomorrow morning, you know, but that's, he's the one guy. He's the one guy that I really wanted. And, you know, here we are near the end. Then we got him. George, how do you feel about interviews, conversations with schmucks like us, the next generation of whatever the podcasters are, the radio. I love doing this. Are you kidding? I love doing this, especially with guys like you. Um, and particularly schmucks like you. No, I'm just, <laughs> uh, I, 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 it's, you're part of the next generation. That's really important what that's going to look like because it's changed dramatically. It really has changed really dramatically. Uh, and to the point where if it was my business now, that'd be great to say, hey, you know, you want to try, no, no, mine's done. That's That's in the past. But it's great to talk to guys like you because you're trying to succeed. You want to succeed. I can tell you guys want to succeed. And, you know, I, I won't give you the advice that the news director, <laughs> this is in college, uh, his name was Ed Brown. And he, this is his advice. This is a guy who chain smoked unfiltered cigarettes. He said, get out of the business. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if this is okay for this. Uh, you know, basically, he said, "What do you think we're doing here? You know, we're trying to get in the business, not get out of the business." Jeez, you know. What does and, that sound like, guys? Uh, yeah, we right. Might, yeah. We, we might know a few people like that still in yeah. the industry. Really? It's like <laughs> this is don't discourage, encourage, encourage. Don't tell people no. Go be a bricklayer. And if this is what you want to do. Follow your dream. Look, there are three three of the most important words that I can impart on anybody is follow your dreams. Okay, follow your dreams. It may not work, but if you don't, you'll never know. So follow your dreams. All right, before we let George go, uh, Polly, I'm going to throw it to you in one second. But we, we, you know, we were talking about following your dreams, what seems to be a nightmare in Chicago sports. Uh, I, as a Cup fan, has not enjoyed anything until maybe Shohei shows up since 2016, so I'm okay with that. But ever, other than that, it's been a little mucky. George, I, we need to know. We need to know. How do you feel about what's going on on the field, on the court, on the rink, everything in Chicago sports right now? Uh, people have asked me if this is the worst year. It's not. The worst year was one of my first in 1980. 
Stunningly, the Blackhawks, I think, won their division. The other four teams were horrible. The Cubs were terrible. The Sox were terrible. The Bears were terrible. And the Bulls were bad. I mean, really bad. Back in, was it, 81, Schuster and I used to go to, when you covered the games, we would count how many people were in the Chicago Stadium. We actually did that. We'd go around and we'd start looking in the upper deck or whatever. And usually it was like a thousand. That's it. And then Jordan came and everything changed. Right now, it's not good. Um, look, the Cubs are certainly active for Shoei Otani. They will pay the toe. It's just whether he wants to come here or stay on the West Coast because he thinks he lives in the Seattle area, which is very interesting because the Mariners are not going after him. By the way, I found that stunning. You know, it's, it's going to be a lot of money, but they have holes to fill for a team that should have made the playoffs last year but faded uh, because their best hitters stopped hitting. Boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't it from the after 2017, all those guys? That wasn't Joe Madden. Those guys just stopped hitting, which is amazing. So they've got holes to fill. They know that. I think they didn't spend $40 million on Craig Council to give him nothing. No, the cupboard's not there. The White Sox are a disaster. They are an absolute disaster from everything, including public relations. And of course, the, the worst happened recently with the departure of Jason Benetti. But I mean, you know, from the, the magic bullets that appeared at the ballpark this summer, nobody still knows where it came from, to the disaster of the franchise when they decided, when Jerry Reisler decided... You know, I let Hawk Harrelson, let Tony Larusa go. I'm going to bring them back. Well, you know, they made the playoffs, but I think we know where that went. And finally, they fired Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams, which was a long time coming. Why they hired Chris Getz is another matter, but he, he doesn't have much to work with. He has no pitching. They're going to trade Dylan Cease, which means in a fairly weak division, they will finish last and behind the Kansas City Royals. The Bulls were a mistake from the beginning in that Arturus Karnishevis, okay, he spent two draft choices on getting Vucevic. That was a gamble. But the one I didn't like was Lonzo Ball. Why? A couple of reasons. One, it would be his third team in five years. He had been injured before. He's a point guard who was averaging 5.3 assists a game. That's not a top-notch, okay. But he learned how to be a three-point shooter. He was dynamic, and they were winning. Then he got injured, and that's it. His career is over. The worst part of all of it is, after last season, when they missed the playoffs, Karnishevis stood pat. Their first-round pick, Patrick Williams, is a bust. There's just no other way around it. That's a team that's going to have to be literally blown up. And I think they understand that. Uh, the Bears. <laughs> I enjoyed even, reading your tweets on Monday night, by the way. Wasn't even yeah, a game. Two more teams ago. Well, it, it, it's, it, it, this all revolves around one person, and that's Justin Fields. I think we all know that. And part of what happened the other night was, A, a game plan. Okay, I get it. But the game plan should be letting Justin Fields loose. So how many times can you throw a screen pass before the opposition goes, <laughs> they're throwing another screen pass? 
I mean, come on, give me a break. Seriously. Uh, I, he still has five games to go, right? Or whatever. The question is, will they draft a quarterback with what appears to be the first pick unless Carolina decides to stub its toe and win a game? Or will they trade that pick, keep Fields another year, and start building around, which is what they really need to do in the trenches? Eberflus, for his many negatives, has put together a damn good defense. That defense is playing really well. That's good. That's really, really good. Uh, Poles has made some significant mistakes, but right away when they went for uh, sweat, uh, people said too much, too much money. I said, watch him. He's a pretty good player. <clears throat> and he's starting out to be a pretty good player. Okay, that's the Bears. The Blackhawks, I- I'm glad that finally somebody came out to explain what's going on, albeit it should not have been Kyle Davidson. It should have been either Danny Wirtz or Jamie Faulkner. I mean, the li- they let him hang out to dry. And those of you who saw that yesterday, that was a very emotional situation with a general manager who is very uncomfortable talking about it, especially with the lurid rumor, which just seemed to be so preposterous in the first place. But he had to come out and clear that part of the situation. What involved Perry and somebody in the organization isn't as important now as they step forward. They obviously lost some key players here because Connor Bedard is a dynamite player. Uh, lately is not getting a lot of points. He will. I thought he would score 50 goals this year. I don't know if that's going to be possible now. But they're still rebuilding, and they're probably going to get a really high draft pick. They're also probably in the mode of maybe eventually spending some money, but we'll see how that goes. In the meantime, Patrick Kane is in Detroit. How about that, boys? <laughs> George, we could let you cook all day, my friend. You were you were Gordon Ramsay just now, and we were just waiting for that fire meal to be made. Those takes you got. Polly. Last question for you, George. Through all the years, what was your favorite Chicago sports memory? Whether you covered it or whether it was something before your career, what sticks out to you? Probably June of 2010. So I, in, in when Webio ended in uh, June of 2009, and I went to Dave Ennett at WGN. I said, look, do you have any work for me? And he said, no. He called me back a month later. I said, you know, we have some part-time stuff. Can you come in? I said, I, I do, but I, I've got a problem with my throat. They're saying it's laryngitis. It wasn't. It was a paralyzed vocal cord. And during the summer, I couldn't speak. I, I was like whispering. And I had to go to the Bastion Voice Institute in Lombard, where they were giving all these exercises to do. And finally, I said, there's an option. You could shoot a gel in your throat, you get 80% of your voice back. I did. And a week later, I'm on WGN Radio. Great. Fast forward to game six in Philadelphia, the night before, then Dan Zampillo, who used to work at the score and was the, uh, uh, he was the program director. I forgot what his title was said, George, would you like to go cover game six in Philadelphia? I said, let me think about it. Yes. (laughs) And suddenly I'm on a plane and I am in Philadelphia. I'm part of the broadcast team and I'm covering game six and now getting to near the end of the game. And they have uh, members of the media and broadcast people in the lobby near the locker rooms. So if your team wins, 
you're on the bench. Well, suddenly Patrick Kane scores 30 seconds later, I'm on the bench and I'm watching the ceremony and I'm watching a Stanley cup go right by me. It was extraordinary. What an extraordinary experience to be part of where you never thought you would be, but fate had it. So as a highlight, and there've been many of them, that one stands out because I'm there, I'm on the ice and I'm, there's a Stanley Cup next to me for crying out loud. That was just like unbelievable. This was one of the most amazing treats. I think I'm going to say personally, I hope the fans enjoyed it. I know they're going to, because, you know, legend is with us, but I, I think I speak for Paul, for Devin. This has been one of the coolest conversations, interviews we've ever done. Uh, George Hoffman is one of the legit legends that we have in this industry and for him to join a bunch of dum-dums like us here on the sports <laughs> typical Paul I'm not even a legend in my own house. Come on, give me a break. Uh, well, that's the trick to a good marriage, right? It's like just uh, the keeping us home right, a I'm little a, bit. I'm, I'm alone. I'm talking to the wall. Am I a legend? They're not, <laughs> caught. They're not talking back, so. Paul, you want to bring us home, buddy? Uh, yeah, we got to sell a book here. Uh, Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, Conversations with Chicago Sports Legends is out now. You can find it anywhere that you buy books. Uh, George Offen, congratulations on releasing the book. We hope to hear more from you. I uh, can't wait for part two. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. My pleasure, guys, and good luck to all of you. We keep the good times rolling here on the Sports Cubicle. It's the Marvelous One, Dan Marver. I'm Mike Mercado, and the Bears are on by this week. So thank goodness we hope you each made a good day even better, not having to sit down for two and a half hours and see whatever it is Luke Getze has wrapped up for Justin Fields and that offense. What Matt Eberflus would say on the podium, we got a break from all that. But we don't get a break. They won't get a break. The entire organization won't get a break because it is time to go to the classroom. It is time to go into the office of Professor Daniel Marver as we give our report cards for the Chicago Bears on this bye week. And Marver, I will tell you this. There have been very much very lows of this NFL Bear season. There have been some moments that have been fun. There have been some moments that have been intriguing but I think all in all, this is not going to be for the faint of heart when we actually give grades to this team. So normally when we do these type of segments, right, when radio shows do these type of segments, they go offense, defense, special teams, wide receiver. I don't want to do that because we all know that's not what this bear season has been about. So <laughs> instead, it's going to be Ryan Poles will get a grade. Matt Eberflus will get a grade. Luke Getze will get a grade. Justin Fields will get a grade. And then we will talk about the embarrassing moments of the Chicago Bears team itself and all the nonsense that happened at Hallisaw and how they handled everything. So we'll start with the easy stuff. Justin Fields. Marvel, I'll throw it to you in a second, but I think all in all, I think this has been anywhere from a C to a D for Justin Fields. I think it's one of those, he wasn't able to do a couple assignments because of that thumb injury. There have been moments where we have seen special from him, and then there have been moments where we've seen him digress. We've seen him cough up the ball too many times late in games. And then we see him throw a dart to DJ Moore and put him in a position to win. We know he can be special, but we also know potential gets people fired. And I think right now we're in a place where Justin Fields is going to need new scenery. I think most people root for him. 
And I think he has an unfortunate thing of the other Ohio State quarterback that came after him is looking really good and driving his team to a playoff run. So to me, I'm going to give him, to cut in the middle, I'm going to give Justin Fields a C-. minus. Marver, what do you got on QB1? Well, only because of the most recent games after the injury. I'm going to give him a C plus or a B minus because he looked wonderful against Detroit in Detroit for 90% of the game. And he did, a, they did enough to beat Minnesota in the probably the worst Monday night game ever played. <laughs> but not, I mean, it's on an upswing. So that's why I would have been with you in a D and a C. But I think because of the last two games, uh, it's on an upswing. Now they get a break and they get another shot at Detroit. It should be interesting in Cleveland. Those two games will be very key to the future of, of Mr. Fields, in my opinion, since they're going to have the opportunity to trade or pick the uh, the number one selection, obviously a quarterback from USC. But we'll we'll see what happens. But I, I'll go. I'll I'll give it. I'll give it an upswing and a B minus. Since we're talking about the young man and the future of this team, I think I'm with you, right? Like there have been a lot of good things, and I think here on the sports cable, we've been very fair. People have called me too much of a homer for a Justin Fields, but I do believe that, like you said, we've seen the upswing. I'm more intrigued to see what happens if he goes to a team like Pittsburgh or Atlanta next year uh-huh. and what happens in that type of scenario. But I'm with you. There's a good chance that they draft the quarterback and they keep Justin Fields. So uh-huh. it is interesting to see how this will be graded next year, one year from now, if he will even be on the report card. Right. But, go ahead, buddy. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that, 100%. No so, question about it. Well, why don't we move on to the guy who's calling plays for him and as Luke Getzey. And I think mm-hmm. this is going to be the F. I think this is going to be the moment. <laughs> uh, I think, and you know what? A lot of people are going to be surprised. Matt Eberflus is not going to get a lowest grade as Luke Getzey. Luke Getzey, to me, seems like the type of guy who does have knowledge, does study football, does eat, breathe, and sleep football, but seems yeah. like one of these coaches that refuses to adjust refuses to take any type of lesson learned that we've seen in the last two years. And I also believe in merit. And just because you stood next to Aaron Rodgers doesn't mean you coached Aaron Rodgers. Just because that's what the business card said doesn't mean that's actually what happened. And I think that's a lot of Luke Getzey. And then when you watch the rest of the NFL, when you see somebody like a Ben Johnson up in Detroit do what he does, it makes you wonder. Some of these other coaches in the NFL, the Sean McVays and the Mike McDaniels and the uh, uh, Shanahan's of the world, how they're able to adjust their offenses to the guys around them. And we have seen none of that here. But we did see them fall head over heels over Tyson Bajan, a wonderful story. Somebody who, Marver, you've always been very much, uh, I, w- I would say, very critical in a very fair way and you've given him his flowers and you've and you critique them and i think they did him a disjustice by the way they handled that entire thing and i think that that strictly goes on luke getsy uh he gets Mm. enough to me well he was two and two and he's from the world-renowned shepherd university a d2 school (laughs) and and uh i mean carolina you don't even count that as a win but he beat them and uh i mean he he actually performed very well and that's probably why he won the backup job and uh you know, there were some uh, people that had been around for like Peterman and others who, who had, you know, who they know, knew a lot about. But, uh, I mean, he did a, a decent job and then maybe this will get him uh, an opportunity somewhere else. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, that was, that was, you know, surprising in a way. And, you know, he got a, he got a lot of exposure and, you know, on a Thursday night and this and that. So, uh, uh, you know, they, they were talking about, you know, are they going to replace Fields with Beijing, which is, of course, nonsense. 
but they're going to replace Fields with somebody if they, if they don't win a few more games. Detroit and Cleveland are both quality teams. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. So what would you give Luke Getzey? Because I think he's one of the main reasons yeah. that Tyson Bagent and Justin Fields had that ridiculous thing mm-hmm. in the media where people were talking about them because he was the one leaking stuff to Collinsworth about running the offense a certain way and doing things yeah. a certain way. Uh, again, I give him enough because Tyson Bajan's a wonderful story. He is separate of Luke Getz because he has earned the right to yeah. be the backup to do that. Where are you on the mm-hmm. OC of the Bears? I give it an F. <laughs> well, I, I was going to be more generous with a D. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Minus. Well, well, I'm with you. I actually think the D in this grading scale belongs to the head coach, the one that we're moving on next mm-hmm. to, and that is Matt Eberflus. I will mm-hmm. give him credit. Matt Eberflus has coached up this defense. It's the one thing we asked about. If you weren't going to do a good job of developing Justin Fields or bringing in a smart offensive coordinator, you had to make sure you were the X factor on your defense, that all the players that weren't superstars, you were able to make them better players. And bringing in Montez Sweat was a great move by Ryan Pulse, who would get his own grade in just a little bit. But I'm going to get Matt Eberflus a D, maybe even a D plus. He's a goofball. We make fun of him. He might be the worst coach in Bears history, and that's saying a lot. But I will give him credit that when push came to shove and he became the defensive coordinator, we saw what he's most comfortable in doing, and that is being a defensive coordinator. I love to go in the way back machine with you. Even worse than Abe Gibran? (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you on a D, just based upon performance. You're judged by your record, and there you go. So we move on to the guy that hired him in Ryan Poles. It's an A-plus move bringing in Montez Sweat. It's an F move for what you did with Chase Claypool. I'm going to go down the middle. I'm going to go that he is a C-minus. I'm going to give him attached to the hip almost to Justin Fields. I got to give him credit for the DJ Moore thing, but you can only do that for so long, right? It is a huge move of what happens this season as it ends. With you and Carolina being so intertwined right now, how you end up with that pick and what you do with your own pick. What do you do with the money surrounding you? What do you do with Jalen Johnson? All these different questions have to be answered. And I will give him credit in this much. He seems at the very least to know what's going on, whether mm-hmm. he's good enough to actually make the right move. I don't know. So I'm going to go C minus. Okay. I'll, I'll do C just to be contrary. <laughs> yeah, and it all really comes down to this draft, right? And if you get Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison Jr., or if you're getting Caleb Williams or Drake May, or whether you're getting some interior alignment, like there is a lot to go on for Ryan Poles, but he also has a lot of uh, questions to be answered because he's the one that brought in Matt Eberflus. He's the one mm-hmm. that passed on Jalen Carter, but he did draft Darnell right. So it's a very intriguing move. You can't get them all right, but I, I'm willing to stick with Ryan Poles. But this right here, the only, the most embarrassing thing to me, everything that's happened in Hallis Hall this season, the Chicago Bears in general this season are an F franchise. Not once, but twice are they firing coaches. Not once, but twice are they doing it under weird circumstances. Not once, but twice do they do this weird song and dance media frenzy type of thing. And it's just so Bears that it's not Uh just bad enough that you have a bad record. It's not just bad enough that you have a bad head coach. But you're also a badly run organization that gets made fun of. You are not a class of the NFL. They like to pretend they are. But just because you're the oldest doesn't mean that you're the smartest. 
And, oh, um, except the, oh, wait a second. Hold on there. <laughs> oh, wait. All right. You know what? Listen, you get one bet right against me. Sir. Uh, it, it, and that's what it is. It's been a, a absolute joke. Everything that's happened in Hallisaw. I don't care what happens on and off the field. It's football. There's randomness. These dudes are all super humans, right? But what happens right. in Hallisaw with a bunch of guys with PhDs and MDs and, you know, they've gone to these business schools and ran the Big Ten. It's been a joke. I've seen better ran middle schools. Than I have it. That was awesome. <laughs> That's funny. Where where did uh, McCaskey go to school again? <laughs> uh, the Prairie Perry somewhere. She's just 109 years old. They were they they, they were they, they they were still using the cowbells to tell them when the class was over. Something like that. But no, I I think that uh, I'm going to be with you on uh, on that last selection. So I, I think there's nothing more. <laughs> to say about that marvin why do we uh, do this why do we do this to ourselves as bears fans look look at this damn report card why do we love these children mm -hmm. like we do why don't we just uh go for a carton of of cigarettes or or, or some milk and just not come back to this fandom <laughs> well you can uh you can be a fan of other teams i was a fan of the steelers uh for a number of years like the last 20 years uh you can go with other teams i used to watch the you know the red uh the channel that shows all the red zone plays uh, <laughs> to avoid the bears for some time. But I, I see some hope here. I thought there was going to be really big turnaround here where we'd finally get the franchise quarterback, but uh, not so fast. No, not so fast. Thank God for the red zone channel, because it is the only time, you know, for sure you're never going to see bears football because they're never in the red zone. That's too easy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Marver <laughs> on location. The Marvers are always the best. We hope you guys are safe and sound and enjoy being yeah. on location. And as yeah. always, uh, thank I'm, you I'm, for I'm, that's because I am with my son. Yes, the other Marvel boys there. <laughs> the Marvel boys are causing trouble and here to bash bears because uh we are masochists and we love watching nonsense on Sundays and we love that's right. that listening to nonsense here on the sports cubicle. We gotta let the marvelous one go. He's gotta go right. handle the basketball players. It's the marvelous <laughs> one, Dan Marver. I'm Mike Mercado. We got more coming up next here on okay. the sports cubicle. Well, today, as I'm recording this, the day that this episode is premiered on December 3rd, 2023, the college football playoff has been revealed and uh, not without controversy. Of course, you know, I, th I think this this happens no matter what the era, no matter how you want to break down a college football playoff, um, you know, there's always going to be a team left out or the right teams aren't in there. Um, and it happened. It happened this year. So for the first time ever, a Power 5 conference, an undefeated team from a Power 5 conference has been left out. The Florida State Seminoles arguably deserve to be there with their undefeated record. Instead, they will be going to the Orange Bowl where they will end up playing Georgia. Georgia, of course, losing in the SEC championship game. They were number one heading into the weekend. They lose to Alabama. Alabama makes it in to the game, uh, the the uh, the college football uh, playoff, where uh, they will be joining uh, Michigan, Washington, and Texas. So Alabama will be playing Michigan. Washington will be playing Texas. The winner of those two games, of course, will play in Houston in the college football national championship. Did they get it right? Um, I don't think so, but at the same time, I guess how would you do it? You know, I think I think the all consensus uh, number one and two, Michigan and Washington. You have the the Big Ten champion, 
um, the the mountain that they had to climb. They had to beat the likes of Ohio State, um, you know, to get in there. Um, I think as well as Penn State, they had to beat Iowa, of course, in the uh, the championship game. Michigan, clear cut number one. Uh, would have been the number two if Georgia would have taken care of business against Alabama. And then you have Washington. Uh, they beat Oregon, clear-cut favorite in the Pac-10. This is or the Pac-12, whatever you want to call it, the the death of the, the Pac-12. Uh, Washington, the champion there, no doubt about it. Then you have Texas. Texas with only one loss on the season. That was in the Red River shootout against the conference rival Oklahoma who's no slouch, Oklahoma finishing 12th in the bowl rankings. So, sure, Texas with the one loss to a, a, a really tough opponent, they they arguably could be there. And, uh, you know, Alabama, same thing. Alabama only lost one game all season. It was to Texas. Um, you know, so a non-conference game, but a strong opponent. Uh, Alabama definitely deserves to be there. So where does that leave Florida State? Florida State, who is undefeated. Florida State, who... Uh, won their conference championship game. They won against Clemson earlier in the year. They've beaten Miami. They've beaten Florida. Um, Florida State could be uh, could easily make a case they're undefeated in a tough conference, but uh, they do not make it. Now, how would I have ranked it? Well, I think, yeah, Michigan won, Washington two. I don't have Texas in it. I think just because losing to number 12, Hurts them versus Alabama, who only lost to them. Um, but I think also with Georgia only losing to Alabama, I think then you got to look at it that maybe Georgia or Alabama should be up there. Florida State should be number three. So I think Michigan one, Washington two, Florida State three. And so I, I originally said, well, I think then Georgia drops from one down to four. But I'd say let's give it to Alabama. Uh, they they would be the number four. So I think where they got it wrong was Texas should not have been the three. Florida State should have been considered. If not, they should have bumped up Alabama to three and Florida State to four, knock Texas out, or Texas four and Florida State three. Uh, but alas, that's the playoffs. I don't like it. Um, but this is about the time of the year that I start paying attention anyway. I usually try to watch the national championship game or at least one of the semifinals. Hopefully it'll be good. I, I think that's the hope every year, but I think, you know, it's also kind of a snoozer sometimes. Uh, last year, if you remember, Texas Christian lost uh, a, a, by a lot to Georgia, not even close. And, uh, you know, after TCU beat Michigan. So um, Michigan-Georgia would have been a nice one this year, but Georgia doesn't make it in. Uh, Michigan-Alabama should be a good one. Washington-Texas should be a good one. Uh, and then whoever the champion is. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to guess right now that it's going to be Washington versus Alabama and uh Nick Saban's going to be uh controversial and uh get the the Crimson Tide back into the national championship game and be victors. That's just my guess. I'm just hoping that it's competitive. But that's going to do it for the Sports Cubicle. I want to thank you all for listening for Devin Tingle, Mike Mercado, Dan Marver, I am Paul Shavari. Thank you for listening to the Sports Cubicle on WCPT 820 where facts matter. We will be back next week, 9 o'clock p.m. right here on Sunday nights on WCPT. But, of course, you can find us all the time on the uh, interwebs. Of course, SoundCloud.com slash WCPT 820 where all the shows are archived. Uh, Podcasts wherever you get your podcast, Spotify uh, being one of them as well as SoundCloud. And, of course, you can listen to segments on YouTube. Just go YouTube.com 
slash uh, uh, Sports Cubicle, and uh, you can be found uh, there. Sports Cubicle TV is where you can find us on Twitter. Uh, let us know what you think about any of these stories and more. That's going to do it. want to thank George Offman for being on the show. So long, everybody. We will see you next week.